Episode 2, hello everybody, it's Anthony and welcome to Screw It, where you can screw it, screw it, or screw it, the lifestyle podcast where we can generally just be amazing. Do you know what it is, can I be honest, I'm really craving a Galaxy Caramel, and when you can't have it because you're here, it's just the, the craving becomes massive, and I'm not willing to go online and pay £8 for a Galaxy Caramel that's gonna be mush and melted, no 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 sister. But yeah, that's just something on my mind. I just felt like just sharing that with you. But anyways, hi, it's just me again today. Um, But we will have guests on at some point soon because some people have agreed, which means that I can bounce off other people and therefore you don't have to just listen to my voice all the time. But that being said, I am giving you what you wanted because I sent out some questions on Instagram regarding China because you were all asking for the China episode and while I'm living here might as well talk about it might as well make use of it so some of you guys are either in China coming to China being to China 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 sound like bloody Donald Trump don't I <laughs> um, but I don't want to alienate the fact that people are listening from the UK as well because I still think it's going to be interesting for everybody because a life out here is weird and wonderful and it's yeah, it's a really double life that I lead. I have this UK life and then I have this China life. And I feel like people in the UK don't know their life here. People here don't necessarily know their life in the UK. It's just a bit of a mix. And that's the best thing about traveling is you learn so much about different cultures. Um, and China is just one of those cultures where you're like, this is weird and I like it. I like learning about it. <laughs> Anyways, that being said, can I just talk about first the fact that on Friday, same-sex marriage was legalized by Taiwan. It's first Asian country, so well done, Taiwan. You are amazing. And you know what it is? It's quite controversial talking about Taiwan because when you come to China, they tell you not to talk about Taiwan because Taiwan was a part of China. But in the Civil War, the Nationalist Party, they ran to Taiwan and they formed their own government system and therefore became their own country in 1949. So this whole gay marriage thing that happened on Friday is a little bit of a thing of, oh, this is us, this is Taiwan, we are different to you, China. And interestingly, China, in the People's Daily newspaper, they claimed that um, Taiwan have, you know, accepted gay marriage and claimed it as their own, as China's done this to make... China look internationally good and progressive in human rights. That's something that's close to me and just interested to see the dynamics of that. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of history with Taiwan and China. Taiwan's this like, interesting mix of Japan and China. They learned a lot from Japan, they learned a lot from China, and then they just created their own their own country and it's a beautiful country anyways that's Taiwan <laughs> not China oh, that's oh my god that's quite don't say that when Chinese people are around because actually Chinese people are really defensive on Taiwan being part of China but let's have a look at me questions now I need to get my Instagram up if you haven't followed screw it lifestyle then go on Instagram to follow screw it lifestyle then have a look at the questions you sent now you sent a lot of questions bloody hell you sent so many which I wasn't expecting because you know we're already new here oh, okay how did you end up in China decide I want to travel for a couple of weeks I found a website called Teach English in China and uh, it said send your CV, sent my CV without really thinking and then all of a sudden I had a phone call in an interview that said you go to China and I was like oh my god it's happening, it happened so quick it was like a snowball effect, it was 
pretty crazy. Okay, but that's that's the basics of it. Okay, that was sorry, that was a rubbish one to start with. But we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. What was the biggest culture shock when you first moved over there? Do you know what it is? I have this really funny story that I, I always think about this when I first arrived. So when we first arrived, we arrived in Beijing and we arrived into a summer camp to teach us how to teach. And we had like a buffet sort of style for two weeks. And there was one day where they decided to give us some Western food because they wanted to um, not give us too much Chinese food because it can, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Um, so they gave us this Western food. And what they give us was they give us chicken and chips, right? Chicken and chips. Bear in mind, what they've done is they translated it in American, so what we actually got was chicken and crisps. Oh my god, well, to be honest, I was living for it. It was like Pringles with fried chicken as dinner. Um, so, when you first arrive, things like that happen all the time. When I go to Starbucks, you used to be like, what do you want? I want to have, I don't know... A coffee and then you end up getting like some sort of fancy latte or, or and you're like I, I didn't want that or you order a big one you get a small one you point at something they think you're pointing at something else so you end up getting something really weird I once went into a restaurant and I pointed at something randomly and I got a whole sheep a whole sheep I am not shitting you right it came in this big pot and it came with this spine and it was the spine was cut up and the bones were coming outwards. Oh my god, I couldn't believe that I was by myself as well when I ordered it. The people in the restaurant must have thought I was insane and they were just finding it hilarious that a foreigner was like new to using chopsticks. As much as I could use them, I wasn't like perfect at it when I first arrived. And they were just literally surrounding me laughing because I'd obviously f messed up totally. So that was the culture shock, is that you just, like, you were a bit lost and things just would happen that you were just like, how, how, how did this happen? <laughs> um, but as it's gone, you get to know the language and once you go into the language a bit more, it, it, things become a lot easier. Um, I don't really have that problem anymore. Especially in Shanghai, which is a bit more international now. For those who didn't know, I used to live in Beijing. Now I live in Shanghai. Talking about language, though, one of the other questions was, how do you feel your language has progressed? That's by Amy Dixon 08, which is my best, best friend. I love you. Miss you. My language, oh my God, it goes through ups and downs. So the Chinese language is really interesting because it's a tonal language. So you have four different tones. You've got e, 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 and they all mean totally different things. So for you in the UK, it probably sounds exactly the same, but it is all completely different. So you could be like shu, 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 shu. And one of them means time. One of them means shit. One of them means I am. One of them means, I mean, there's so many different means to be fair. But <laughs> you could end up saying shit when you wanted to say time like like that's that's the thing anyways that's that's just a little bit of chinese language but also you've got to learn characters but then it's also how to say those characters and it just goes through peaks and troughs of sometimes i can listen better sometimes i can talk better languages don't come naturally to me actually so so to be honest i'm pretty impressed with how far i've come with the language i can get by quite nicely um but it does go through ups and downs currently i'm on a bit of a mental block um it's like you just it's a bit of language overload and i need a bit of a break from it but 
it's going well. I have Chinese lessons on a Tuesday and Saturday now. I have two. I have four hours a week of Chinese lessons now, which is a lot. And sometimes it's a bit too much. But I am doing HSK three, so that's um, for those who might know. So that's like in the middle, in the middle, like six is fluent, three's like in the middle, one easy, two easier, three. Yeah, and my HSK3 exam is characters only. So I have to read a lot of characters. And at the moment, I'm just trying to get characters in my head because that is difficult, but it becomes easier the more you do it. Um, anyone who is coming to China, no excuses, learn Chinese. Honestly, it'll be the best thing you do because it's just such a good feeling to learn something and then to walk around the streets and see it and be like, oh, I know that character, I can read that. Okay, I understand that. It's just such a nice thing. And especially when you go to the UK, you go to like Chinatown, you're like, oh, I can read everything. And your mates are like, wow, that's cool. Even though it's like the easiest word ever. <laughs> Anyways, but that's more of a personal side of things. Really, when you think about it, China's becoming such a big international economical power and therefore with that becomes the need for people speaking the language and what you're finding now is Chinese is starting to go into schools back home in the UK. I've heard of some secondary school students who are studying Chinese there and there's a lack of resources as well back home. I'm saying the UK but I mean like anywhere really. There's a lack of resources, a lack of people who are able to provide Chinese lessons or you know companies will need Chinese people, uh, people who speak Chinese and therefore learning Chinese now is such a good thing because it's just getting more and more popular and therefore it's going to give you more and more job opportunities. Uh, that's why I'm really kind of in my head like I'm, I'm learning Chinese and I, I want to learn Chinese because I want to have that step ahead that potentially could give me a job, a good job, you know. So that's why I say learn Chinese. There is no excuses because it is just going to be so much better and China is growing so quick that in 10 years' time we could be speaking Chinese as a second language more so than French or Spanish. I generally predict that's going to happen. Okay, maybe you want to hear a little bit. My Chinese is not very good, but I can speak Okay, so teaching here in China, like I have a lot of teaching experience. I've got five years teaching experience from teaching kindergarten up to university, one of the questions I always get is, how can you teach English when you don't speak Chinese? And what I respond to is, well, if they can't speak anything, you start with hello. Hello, little wave, and you go from there. How are you? Easy, you can make a whole lesson on hello, how are you? I mean, that's like, unlikely to happen. The reality is these kids are going to have a basics of English. Their English is a lot better than my Chinese, most of them. Um, and therefore you're always going to have, you're always going to have a baseline. And then any words they don't know, you teach them using visuals. Using, even the students, can you can say, like some students are better than others, and you can sort of say, well, this kid doesn't understand this, um, can you just tell him in Chinese? And you can use the students as teachers as well. Like, so therefore there's so many different ways you could teach. 
So I got a question from Summer May saying, what is the biggest negatives to living in China? The first obvious negative is the fact that you do miss home. You miss your family. Like, for example, my brother's just had his son. So therefore my nephew, I mean, he's a year now, but you kind of feel like you miss out on that, especially now he's a year, he's starting to get a bit of a personality. But, um, you know, that that is a bit of a downside. But I'm going home soon. I will be able to see him, which I'm very excited for. But you know what it is? Someone did once say to me is when you go abroad, that's the risk you take. You miss out on things back home. You know, you miss even just like things like little gigs, theatre trips. I miss that kind of stuff. But um, the positives of that outweigh the negatives so much so that you and when you get home, you realise that everything's just the same. So it is it is one of the biggest negatives. But that's something you do get used to over time, especially when I've been back quite a few times now. You sort of feel like, well, the aeroplane ride, yeah, it's like 15 hours, but it doesn't feel that far away the more you do it. I have to say now, three years down the line, the biggest negative for me personally is I really don't agree with the one-party system. I think it's damaging socially. Any problems that happen here is all swept under the rug. I feel like everything's controlled. There's doing things like documents takes forever because it's like they are they don't trust you. They don't trust the Chinese citizens, um, and everything is monitored here. Everything's security. Where if something was to happen, they could pull out your messages, your private messages. They could pull out that and use that against you, and that is worrying. It hasn't directly happened to me but it's definitely the sense of that around and it does happen to people um where they can't get mortgages or they can't get houses because they've said something on wechat even just for example saying about taiwan like like disagreeing with political sides you can't talk about religion there's just a lack of freedom um and with that i feel like there is a lack of social responsibility the problem with the environment you've got pollution here which is massive and people can't fight protests peaceful protests even against things like that um or even like i say lgbt it's like everything's censored last year eurovision um they censored a lot of the gay flags and censored the gay kiss and things like that and um anything protest anything environmental and therefore no one stands up for anything and that's why socially you get loads of people who spit on the street because people just go out to china people um push and shove again it's just china no one has a has a fight whereas us english people have this good sense of like tutting and going oh and and you can sense it and you can feel it and people have a social responsibility um to to say something if something's wrong and that's what's worrying about China because China's getting so powerful now and business is happening you just, and people start looking at China and going, well, China's doing it right, so maybe we should get do it the China way. And you start worrying like, oh, God, is people going to start like um, having a bit more of a China mindset? Because not everybody's like this. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about the party. Like, I love China, but just don't love the, the one-party system. That's, that's kind of how it is. Yeah, so basically, I just don't agree with the one-party system because everything is shoved under the rug. And if anyone disagrees with the political side of things, you are taken away. Everybody is just shutting up. Um, and I feel like they're sweeping under the rug of these problems. 
eventually it'll just blow up. But uh, this links quite nicely to, I know I keep talking about LGBT, but it's just another question that I got, which, what's it like being an LGBT in China? Um, and the attitudes here are don't ask, don't tell. So therefore, it's easy, to. it's safe, it's completely a safe country, as long as you don't ask and you don't tell and you just get on with your life. For me personally, it's easy. But we do have gay bars here that you can go to. Um, they don't scream and shout, but they are there. Um, but the censorship recently, again, from the one-party system, is definitely f- becoming more and more so. Like, for example, last year, Dua Lipa came. Someone had a gay pride flag, uh, well, just a rainbow flag, and it got... Those people got pulled out of the concert. And the security guards who were really just doing the job because China says, you know, not supposed to be doing that. They got in prison as well because they were saying that the security guards were putting China in a bad light. So they really are saying you can't have the gay pride flag, but if anyone attacks it, then you go to prison. It doesn't make sense. So it's just a mess. You just think, you know, these people are in prison for doing the job and who probably shouldn't have been pulling people out, but therefore the only people to blame are the government, not not the security guards and not the people who are saying, hey, love is love, you know? Um, so, but that's not to scare people off. It is completely safe. I've had both my relationships here. It's just a don't ask, don't tell. Young people are fine with it. It tends to be the older generation and that's all around the world and not just China. So if you are LGBT and you are coming to China, don't worry. Um, Unfortunately, it's maybe not the same story for Chinese people because Chinese people, um, they obviously live by tradition, family tradition. It it is a pressure to get married and to have a kid. So a lot of people, gay people, will marry other gay people, like gay will marry lesbian, to satisfy the family needs and have a baby as well, to satisfy family needs. And that can be so damaging that... um, just holding it in and not coming out of the closet it's just really damaging and i did do actually tell you what actually i did do an interview with a gay guy who i know lucas who is a good friend of mine maybe i could do an episode on what it's like being lgbt in china because i've got loads of information on it i am going to leave it there because i feel like that's most of the questions i do have many more but i feel like that covers quite a lot already this is not the end because I do want to try and get one of my friends on here or a few of my friends to maybe talk a little bit more about China because I'm really just scratching the surface here and it is a lot harder when you're doing it by yourself because you just have to be turned on and there's just no one to bounce off with. So this is not the last episode of China. Friends out there who are listening because I know you are, please send me a message saying that you're willing to come on because um, it's kind of, I don't know, I don't know, I feel really awkward asking. I do. So... Friends who are listening, you're coming on, okay? And you're going to do it, and we're going to have a chill, we're going to have a bit of fun, um, and then we can talk a bit more about China and maybe come up with some funny stories that have happened. So, let's leave it for there. And I have a Chinese lesson now, <laughs> and that I need to go to, and I'm supposed to revise, and I haven't. Well, I have a little bit, actually. I've not been that bad this week. Um, so we're going to get off, do that, off the Chinese lesson, Love you all. Leave you there. That is a long ending. So, bye for now. Love you all. Mwah. Bye. See you next week.